I say happy Father's Day. Man, it's a great day. What better way to spend the Father's Day, Father's day than in the house of the Lord? Amen? And thinking about Father's Day, it got me thinking about dad jokes. And I thought I would start the day off or the morning off with some dad jokes. Now, y'all know the point of dad jokes. They're supposed to be corny. They, the reason that they're funny is because they're so corny, right? That's what makes it a good dad joke. So I have a few dad jokes that I want to share with you this morning. Some of them you may have heard, some of you not. I just went to Google and searched dad jokes, and this is what came up. So if they're not funny, blame Google, not me. The first one is, what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Sophisticated. So I see some people get it, some people don't. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies. <laughs> That's pretty clever. That's pretty good. What, what did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> this was kind of funny to me. What did the baby corn say to mama corn? Where's popcorn? This is the last one. That was a womp womp. This is the last one. <laughs> why didn't eggs, I'm sorry, why don't eggs tell jokes? Because they crack each other up. <laughs> so y'all give it up for the lame dad jokes. <laughs> dad jokes, 101. But man, today I'm excited about being here before it's Father's Day. And happy Father's Day again to all the dads and the fathers out there. But uh, I want to share a message for the men this morning. But just because I'm sharing a message with the men doesn't mean the ladies y'all tune out. And this is also not an opportunity for you to elbow your husband at every point that I give as well. But this is a message for everyone, like whether you're male or female, you can apply what I'm talking about this morning to yourself. I'm just directly talking to the men and just wanna challenge the men this morning. Is that okay? Okay, so we're gonna start off, we're gonna uh, read the passage of scripture, our main verse, and then we'll pray. Uh, the main verse comes from 1 King, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. And it reads, as the time of, King's David, of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Take courage and be a man. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. We thank you for this Father's Day, Lord God, that we get to celebrate all the fathers in the world, Lord God, and most importantly, we get to honor you, our Heavenly Father. I thank you that we can come and worship you together as believers, that we can offer up our praise, our thanksgiving unto you with song and with dance, and I thank you, Lord God, that your presence is here in the midst, that you speak into our hearts clearly, and that you're with us, Lord God, and you open up our hearts to receive something new today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is King David, the great warrior the great psalmist who did all these things, all these mighty things for God. And at the end of his life, he says, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to a place where, some, where everyone must someday go. And out of all the things that he could have charged Solomon with, all the wisdom in the world that he could have gave Solomon, he said, take courage and be a man. That was his charge. Take courage and be a man. And what I love about courage is this is courage is something that you have to take. Courage, it doesn't just come on you. You have to take courage. 
he told Solomon, hey, in order to be the king, you're going to have to take courage because you're going to walk through some difficult, difficult situations, but you need courage to overcome. And not only that, but you have to take courage and be a man. You know, the world has many definitions of what they would consider a man to be. In the sports world, a man is seen to be macho, where nothing phases him. He has no emotion. He shows, he doesn't, men don't share feelings. We, we just hold it in. You just, you just deal with it. That's not necessarily being a man. Or the world also celebrates a man that wants to say, hey, I just want to be who I want to be, even if that's a female. Oh, that's cool. Just be who you want to be, and that's acceptable as well. But the Bible gives us a clear definition of what a man of God is. And today, I want to challenge all the men in the room today, and you're watching online, I want to challenge all the men, let's take courage in some of these things that we're going to talk about today, to be a man of God, not just a man in the world's eye, but a man in God's eye and a man of your family, amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you three things that we can take courage in. These are three things that we can take courage in. The first thing that we can take courage in is salvation. We can take courage in salvation that we have been saved. Man, that's a good thing to take courage in right there. That you know that once I'm saved and I'm redeemed, guess what? I'm going to heaven. My ticket is punched. I can take courage in the fact that one day that I'm going to see Jesus face to face that I'm going to see all the apostles, all the believers that I've never met from across the world, that one day when I get to heaven, guess what? I'm going to see them face to face. I could be able to shake Peter's hand and say, Peter, what in the world were you thinking? What was going on? Just, just, or Paul, how did, how did you do all these acts that that you wrote about in the, in the epistles? And how did you do all, and see Stephen, Stephen, how did you just stand there and let them stone you? But you say, God, forgive them for what they have done. And I get to, Stand in front of all the great men and women of faith, and I can take courage in the fact in my salvation. We can take courage in our salvation, that we are the apple of God's eye. We can take courage in that, that one day heaven is our home. That's a good thing to take courage in right there, is our salvation. What's another thing that we can take courage in? We can take courage in God's word. Knowing, knowing who God is through his word helps you identify who you are in yourself. The more of God's word and you find out about his nature, guess what? It helps you identify with who you are. And you can also take courage in the fact that if God has promises in his word, that those promises are for you. So if he says that I want to heal you, guess what? You can be healed. If he says I want to bless you, guess what? You can be blessed. If he says I want to set you free from all the bondage and addictions and the chains of of sin, guess what? You can be free. So we can take courage in the fact that God's word is true and it does exactly what it says it's going to do. And not only that, but God's word is powerful. And that same God, uh, the power inside of God, guess what? That same power dwells inside of you. Where you could be able to speak to mountains and situations in your life. And you could say, hey, mountain of debt. Hey, mountain of sickness. You could be moved and cast into the sea. And guess what? It will happen. Why? Because the power that God spoke to create the heavens and the earth, that same power dwells inside of you. So you can take courage in God's word. Well, something else you could take courage in. You could take courage in affirmation. The affirmation of the Father. Affirmation comes from the God the Father and from spiritual authority. God wants to affirm you as a man. You know, one of the biggest things that men need is affirmation. Men need affirmation. They, they need to be affirmed in who they are as a man because not insecurity can come in, and that can lead to all kinds of issues. I was heard about a story about Ray Lewis, the famous football player that a lot of you probably know. 
when he was entering high school, his, his ninth grade year, his football coach brought him to the record books and he kept seeing this name on the list. And he was like, who is this man? That this, I keep seeing this same man, he has all the records. In high school, who is this? He said, well, that's your dad. And he said immediately, something inside of him rose up and he says, I'm not going, I'm not going to rest until I break every record in this book and erase his name from all the record books. And the reason he said that, because his dad was never in his life. And he said that if I can't, if you can't be in my life, I'm going to prove I don't need you and that I'm better than you. And he did. He went on and he broke all his dad's records and he erased his name from the record books. But I guarantee you, if you were to say, Ray, would you rather break all your dad's records or have your dad there in your life to affirm you every step of the way just to say, good job, son, you done. Which one do you think he would have chose? The affirmation. Because it was the hatred that he had towards his dad that drove him to that. And some people say, oh, that's a great motivation factor. No, I see a hurting young boy that needed affirmation from a father. But men, we need affirmation. We need to be affirmed by the father. You can, I can always tell a man that grew up with a dad that affirmed him because there's a certain level of confidence that comes with them. I'm reminded of uh, 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 one of my uh, tomorrow night's friends that she was talking about her husband. She says, their dad did such a great job of affirming them that they think they can do everything. Like there's nothing that they feel like they can't do because he, he encouraged them and affirmed them so much that sometimes it's kind of annoying, but they feel like they could do everything. But that's a confidence that comes from being affirmed by a father. Even Jesus needed affirmation. What did God say to him? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And from that, Jesus went on to start his ministry. Even Jesus needed to be affirmed by the father. Even when he was on the cross, he said, Father, Father, why have you abandoned me? Or why have you forsaken me? What was he saying? I need to feel you. I need your affirmation in my lowest moments. And men, we need that in our lowest moments. We need another man to affirm us. Affirmation. We could take courage in affirmation from the Father. So those are the three things we can take courage in. We can take courage in salvation. We can take uh, courage in God's word. Also, we can take uh, courage from the affirmation of the Father. Amen? And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our message today. These are areas that I want to give you where we need to be a man in these areas. Say, be a man. And like I said, this is not an area for the women to, to elbow their husbands. Say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. But this is just an encouragement and a challenge to you men. Amen? The first thing that we need to be a man in these areas in is, as, is in our finances and in our work. Our finances and in our work. We need to work hard and earn a living. Men need to work hard and earn a living. We need to have a strong work ethic. We need to make sure that in our finances that we're paying the tithe, that we're leading the way in these areas, that, they, that men, men should have a strong work ethic. We shouldn't spend 18 hours of the day, of the 24 hours, in front of the TV or playing video games or doing whatever we want to do. We should have a strong work ethic. Where are we out there? Well, we're working hard, and we're earning a living. There's something about a man with a strong work ethic that is, it's just, it's sort of a woman, it, 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 she would rather be a man with a strong work ethic than a lazy man. How many of you women want to be with a lazy man? I didn't see one hand go up. Why is that? Because that could be frustrating to a lady to see a lazy man. But a man with a strong work ethic, he has more opportunities in the world for himself because of that work ethic. He's, he's strong. And men, we shouldn't look for a handout. 
You know, some it's like always looking. For, we're not looking for a handout. We say, you know what? I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go out. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard on my job. I'm going to do it with excellence. And guess what? And guess what? And sooner or later, I'm going to get promoted. And I have some vision in my life where I'm going to work hard and I'm going to obtain the things to support and to, to, uh, to provide for my family because I have a strong work ethic. And also, when it comes to our finances, we get our finances in order. We, what is this? We eliminate debt. We find ways to eliminate debt. There's so many ways to earn extra income. You know a very simple way that you can earn extra income? Have a garage sale. You know, we have so much stuff in our house that it's ridiculous. You go through closets, you're like, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot I had this, whatever. And there's so many things that a simple garage sale, you could take that money from the garage sale and pay it towards a bill. There's so many different ways that you, you could pick up a trade. You say, you know what, I'm just going to start cutting some grass. Or if you know how to work on cars or whatever, or electrical or plumbing or whatever, there's so many different things that you could do to earn a living that men should have a strong work ethic. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Those who work hard will prosper. Isn't it funny that lazy people always want the most? People that never do anything, that's like little kids. They never do anything, but they want the most. Kids, they, I, I want this. Will you have any money? No, but I want it. What is that? I'm not picking on kids, but it's just to show you that lazy people are the ones that want the most stuff, but they don't want to work for it. They're just looking for a handout. The word clearly says, lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. So the first thing that we need to be a man in the area is our finances at work. Second thing we need to be a man in is in our relationships. Y'all say relationships. The big thing to this in relationships when it comes to men is to not be passive or weak when it comes to relationships. Not be passive or weak, but be strong and assertive. And when I say strong and assertive, I'm not meaning overpowering or overly aggressive or controlling. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a way that you, when you're secure in your identity in Christ, when it comes to tomorrow now, I don't have to prove that I'm a man of God. I don't have to prove that I'm the head of the household. I'm just confident in who I am in leading her. There's a confidence, a certain confidence that comes when you know who you are in Christ that you don't have to prove who you are. Because some men, when they don't know who they are, they feel like they have to be over-aggressive to prove, I'm a man. And it's like, bro, just calm down. When I shake your hand, you don't have to squeeze the life out of my hand. I get it. You're strong. You lift weights. Cool. But some men, they, they feel like they have to be over-aggressive or overly tough or whatever the case be, to prove I'm a man. No, that, that's not a man. That's an insecure man. If you have to try to over-communicate or over-emphasize who you are, you're not secure in who you are. Because the most confident men that I know are usually chill. They're so confident in who they are that, like, that nothing really phases them. Like they could just sit there and relax. Why? Because they're confident in who they are and they know I don't have to prove anything to anybody because I'm confident in who I are and I'm strong and I'm assertive. When it's time to step up and lead, guess what? I'm going to make the tough decision, and I'm going to lead. I'm going to do, and I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to be assertive. I'm not going to be passive, and I'm not going to be weak. I've worked before the ministry. I've been in the ministry almost 20 years. But before that, I had some of the craziest jobs and have been put in some of the most craziest situations that you could think of. And I remember one situation. I was working as a waiter in college uh, at Champ's Restaurant. I was working at Champ's. And it was a lady, I'll never forget this, it was a lady, her husband, and her son. He had to be anywhere from about 10 to 12, somewhere around there. And 
something happened with the with her, the lady, the wife, and the waitress, where she felt the waitress was being mean to her. But I was like at the table next to her, and it was a total misunderstanding. Like the waitress wasn't being mean to her at all. The woman just felt like she just was having a bad day, and she wanted to lash out at someone. And so this lady begins to curse out and go berserk on our waitress. And she runs off, and she goes, gets, she goes to get the manager. And so the manager comes over, and he's trying to de-escalate the situation. And he's talking to the lady, but this is, it's not, it gets worse once the manager steps over there. And I'm looking over at the husband, and he's got his head down. He's just, I'm like, just calm her down. Like, you can obviously step in and just calm your wife down, but he's just sitting there with his head down. And then eventually, it, this is going on for about 10 minutes now, and she's constantly going off. Now the whole restaurant is involved. Everybody's looking around. And I step in, and I say, excuse me, ma'am, won't you come outside with me and talk to me? Just, just, just talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. Because I'm like, we need to get her out of here. So I'm like, just come talk to me outside. And so even before I could say, let's go outside and talk, the husband jets out of the booth and he runs outside. And I'm looking like, what kind of passivity is this? Like he was so scared and terrified of his wife that he just ran out of the restaurant and left her and her son. And so I go outside and I talk to her and she began, and I was like, what's going on? And she, and she said like two or three words and she just broke down in tears and started crying. And I was like, okay, okay, I don't even know what she said. I was just trying to get her out of the restaurant. And she, and she said whatever she had to say and then they got in the car and they left. But the whole time I'm thinking, what she needed the most was for her husband to step in and say, hey baby, I know you're emotional. I know this situation has got you frustrated, but we need to just calm down. But he didn't do that. He was just passive and weak about the whole situation. And women, the, what your wives, they need you to be strong and assertive, not weak and passive. Men, we, we, we shouldn't be passive and weak when it comes to our relationships. Amen? So no, we were strong and assertive. The third thing is, what areas do we need to be, in it, be a man in? Is we don't, we're not in secrecy. What does this mean? We don't withhold or hide things from our wives or loved ones. We keep everything in the light. We keep everything in the light. You know, when you have secret sin and secret things that's going on, eventually it's going to come to the light. And usually it's going to make it a whole lot worse if you just come out and say it in the beginning. Let's just go ahead and get it out and open what it is, because if you try to hide it and cover it up, eventually it's just going to come out and it's going to be a big mess. It's going to be so much worse if you just, you know what, I'm just going to come out and say it. This is, this is what's going on. This is what I've been dealing with. And for men, that could be a hard thing to do, admit that we made a mistake. Because we don't want people to be like, oh, no, I'm, I got it together. I'm a man. It's like, no, no, no. Sometimes you need another brother or your wife to confide in and say, babe, this is what I'm going through. I don't want to hold any secrets back from you. And you will say, well, well she's going to leave me. You never know. That could bring you closer together. Because she's probably already know what's going on. She's just waiting for you to say something. I'm just waiting for you to say something. But you, oh, I can't say it. I can't, oh, no, I can't say what's going on. That secrecy, it will tear you up. And what it actually do is drive you further and further away the more that you hold it in. And you think you're doing a good job of covering up, but you're actually making it worse. Luke chapter 12, verse 2 through 3. I'm not going to stay in this point long because I see you got some, some, some squirming going on here. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 2 through 3. It says, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. That scares me. That makes me, that puts the fear, I was like, man, I got to make sure I got nothing I'm hiding because I don't want it to be revealed for all to see. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors 
will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. If that don't put the fear of God in you, I don't know what is. I remember when we were in the youth group, they used to say, what if we could put all your thoughts on the screen? What would you think? Oh, well, I would change my thoughts. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that nobody wants to be found out. But you got to keep it in the light. Amen? Fourth thing, what are areas do we need to be a man in? In trials and difficulties. I do want to say this before I move on. As women, your job is to be encouragers to men. You say, well, how can I help be an encouragement to him? When he's trying to walk with the Lord and he's trying to get the situation together or he's been doing a great job, we should encourage them. That's the job of a helpmate. I know when tomorrow she gives me encouragement, that makes me feel like, hey, you know what? I'm doing a good job. But if I get no encouragement, I feel like, well, I must be a lousy husband. I must be doing something wrong. But that encouragement goes a long way. Amen? Fourth thing, what areas we need to be a man in is in our trials and difficulties. In our trials and difficulties. Men, we don't grumble and complain about every trial and difficulty we have. Men don't whine. There's nothing worse than a man that whines and pouts. Have you ever seen a man that just whines and pouts? That breaks my heart. I just want to just grab him. Stand up. Be a man. That's what David was saying. Be a man. We don't whine and complain and grow. Oh, this going on again in my life. I just don't, I can't catch a break. It just seems like everything could go through. Just nothing seems to go my way. And I try to take two steps forward. I take three steps back. And I do, you know, I just, I don't know what's going. Stop. Be a man. Handle it. You know, some things men feel like, man, I just can't handle it. Yes, you can. Handle it. Handle it. Take courage. Remember, courage is something you have to take. And when trials and difficulties come, you have to take courage and say, I can handle this. No matter how big or small it is, I'm going to handle it. Why? Because I'm going to take courage. What am I going to take courage in? You can take courage in those three things that we talked about earlier. Take courage in God's word. If I don't know what to do, get in God's word and get you some courage and handle your situation. But difficulties and trials, they're going to come. And what I know is God doesn't respond well to grumbling and complaining. When Caleb and Joshua gave a good report, they say, we are well able to take over the land. But the other spies came back, oh, did you see the size of those people there? They're going to destroy us. God said, okay, 40 years, 40 years. For their grumbling and complaining, they got 40 years in the wilderness. All your grumbling and complaining does is make your season last that much longer. Whatever you're grumbling and complaining about, all you do is prolong that season. So you better just take some courage and say, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to get out of this season. Because the longer you grumble and complain about it, guess what? You just pro up 40 years. Now, I'm not praying that it's 40 years on you. That's a long time. But God had to die off a whole generation and raise up another generation because all they did was grumble and complain. God doesn't respond well to that. We have to take courage and overcome our trials and difficulties, whatever that we walk through. I, there's, I, could, I was thinking about personal situations that I, could talk, that I could talk about, but one that just stands out to me the most is, I was fired from a job, a ministry job, that was not my fault. The first ministry job that I had, a paid job for ministry that I felt, I felt like I was called, well, obviously I was called to the ministry, but at, at the beginning I was like, I know I'm called to this. And I was fired for something I didn't do because the supervisor didn't tell the full truth about what was going on. And it was an opportunity for me to say, get, to get mad. I could have retaliated. I could say, he's lying, and, and said, I could have did all those things. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to walk through this. It's like, God, I don't know what you're trying to teach me in this, but the biggest thing I learned is not hold bitterness in my heart. 
That was the biggest lesson that I learned in that because God spoke to me in that moment. He said, if you don't forgive him in this moment, it's going to take you out. The bitterness. And so in a difficult situation for something that was not my fault and something that I could have probably explained my way out of, I said, you know what? I'm just going to walk through this and I'm just going to trust God that he'll make a day. And you know what? He did make a way. And the next job that I got was even bigger than that one. But I feel like it was how I handled that trial and difficulties. And there's been so many that I got wrong and some that I got right. But what I learned is this, is that the more you grumble and complain about trials and difficulties, you just go prolong that season. So it's best to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Take some courage and overcome. Amen? That is a funny story. I won't share this. I wasn't, I wasn't going to share it, but I'm going to share it. So there was a guy in the ministry that some people in the church had been talking bad about him. And the man got so terrified that he would literally lock himself in the car and say, I'm not going in there because the people are talking bad about me. Well, that man needs to quit the ministry and go work at JCPenney and go sell some khakis. What is that? You need to take courage. Trials and difficulties, there are going to be some people that just, hey, they got a problem with everything. But you can't just run from your trials and difficulties. You got you to gotta attack them. You got to walk through them. And I, I share that story not to laugh and make fun of it, but to say you got to overcome your difficulties and your trials. Don't just, oh, I'm just going to lock myself in the car and hide because they, they mean to me. No, no, no. You walk through them. You could be on the workplace and people are mistreating you on the workplace. Guess what? Just walk through it. Go work with joy. Work with excellence. Amen? Last area. This is the fifth and final thing. Areas that we could be a man in is in our spiritual walk. In our spiritual walk. We need consistency in our daily Bible reading and our devotion to God. We can't grow and become strong in the Lord if we aren't disciplined in our daily devotions. The way you become stronger in your relationship with the Lord is you're consistent with your daily Bible reading and your devotions to God. That's the only way that you're going to get stronger. The more consistent you are with that, I'm telling you, you, you could, if you do it for a week, you'll see in a week how much, much stronger you feel in the Lord. Just by one week. You could do it three days and you could feel strong in the Lord. Why? Because you're being consistent in it. And the more consistency that you could build in your daily Bible reading, in your devotion to the Lord and prayer and worship, I promise you, you'll look up and you'll be stronger in the Lord than you'd ever realized. You say, well, man, there was a time where I couldn't quote one Bible verse. Now I can quote this one. Or you could go back into the Word and say, I don't know anything about the Bible, but this stood out to me and I wrote this down. And now you could go back and reference what you read because you've been consistent in the Word. And I know when I first started off, that seemed like the hardest thing to do was be consistent in my daily Bible reading, if I could just be honest. I was like, man, this is hard. I'm supposed to read this every day. This is kind of boring, especially when I first started because I, I didn't understand anything. I don't know who these people are. Like this, I don't, I don't really understand this. But what I did was I got me a reading plan. And the reading plan marks out each day what I'm supposed to read. And the more consistent that I became in those daily devotions and that Bible reading plan, guess what? Now I can reference back to the Bible in different passages because it's, it's, so much, it's in me because I've been consistent in it. And it makes me stronger. And when temptation comes, it's easy to recognize the enemy and say, that's an attack of the enemy. And I know how to combat him with the word of God. But the only reason I could do that is because I'm consistent in my daily devotions. It's so much important to us that we have Camden. She's, she reads her Bible every single day. She has a reading plan. We say, Camden, did you read? She has a little list of things that she does in the morning when she wakes up. And one of those things is read her Bible. And we'll discuss, Camden, what did you read today? And she said, well, I didn't understand anything today. I said, well, that's okay. You read your Bible. It's in you. 
But the most important thing is, is be consistent in it. Amen? An undisciplined lifestyle is an area of weakness. A, a disciple is a person that is disciplined in their study and pursuit of Christ. And we have to be disciplined in our spiritual walk. I guarantee you, man, if you are disciplined in your spiritual walk, you see a difference in your family. You want to see your family turn around? You say, my family is in disarray. My family is in chaos. You start being disciplined in your daily readings, I guarantee you, you'll see a change in your family. Because the things that you read about, you begin to share with your family. They'll discuss them. And what it'll do is it'll spark a curiosity inside of them that says, you know what? I see dad doing it. I need to do it too. And then you can have conversations around the dinner table and just conversations at nighttime that spark the curiosity in your children and even with your wives. And then now you're talking about the word of God together instead of arguing about God knows what. And now you say, wow, even our relationship is better now. Why is that? Because you put a priority in the focus of putting God at the center. Our daily devotion, we have to be strong in our spiritual pursuit. Peter was weak. You know, Peter was weak. He was so weak that he cursed out a little girl that said, aren't you one of Jesus? No, I'm not him. He was so weak. But when he encountered Jesus and he encountered him in a real, real way, Peter was bold. Something came over Peter and he became bold. And he said, when he died, he said, don't crucify me like my Savior. He said, crucify me upside down. I'm not even worthy to die the same way that he died. But something came inside of Peter when he encountered God, that a strength came on the inside of him that he didn't have before. When you get in the word of God, I'm telling you, a strength will come up on, well, strength will come on the inside of you that you've never experienced before. There's a boldness that comes on the inside of you that once you'll be afraid to talk about the word of God or share your faith, now it's easy to share your faith because there's a strength and a boldness that comes on the inside of you all because you made a decision, I'm going to be faithful in my daily reading. Take another thing under spiritual walk is we take responsibilities for a responsibility for our actions in our life. We don't we don't blame and point the finger at other people. When things get hard in our marriages, we 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 deal with them and we walk it out. Or, or another way to say this is that one of the hardest things in marriages to do is when your wife calls you out. As a man, when your wife calls you out, it's something that hits your pride that you like. What you want to do is you want to start, well, what about you? Let's talk about you. Let's talk about all the things you don't do right. But when she it's something that hits your pride that you like, you want to defend yourself. But what does it mean? We have to take responsibility for our lives and our actions and say, you know what? I did mess up. You know, it, I, yep, that was me. I, I, I said I was going to do it, and I didn't do it. I, I'll, let me do it right now. Instead of saying, well, what about you said you was going to do this? You ain't never do it. But that's our, our initial reaction. We want to lash back. But we take responsibility, and we say, you know what? I'm going to tell the truth. You know, it's easy to lie. It's just like breathing. Before you even know it, somebody could say something to you, and you feel like you caught up, and you could just lie, and it just come out like that because it's in our nature. But we have to, as men, and like I said, this is for everybody, but especially we have to say, you know what? I'm just going to tell the truth. Whether, whatever the consequences are, I'm just going to tell the truth. In most situations, people will be surprised that you tell the truth because they're expecting you to lie. Because most people, they like, I, listen, I'm just going to ask them this question because I know they're going to lie. Watch, watch this, watch this. And you ask them the question, and then they lie. See, I knew they was going to lie. See, I knew. They're waiting for you to lie. But when you tell the truth, they, oh, I don't know how to, oh, he told the truth. So you just have to make a practice. You know what? I'm just going to tell the truth no matter what the consequences. I remember this was the day that two years ago, when tomorrow and I were installed as pastors here, I drove down to Foley. 
and I was in Foley, and it was a little traffic. So I think I don't even know where I was. Like Robertsdale, is that what it's called? Robertsdale? Little Somewhere over there. I was over, and I was speeding. And I didn't realize I was speeding until I looked down. I was like, oh, I need to slow down. But by the time I said I need to slow down, the state trooper pulled me over. And, and I looked back, and I was like, oh, man. And at the time, I still had Louisiana plates because we just moved here. And he pulled me over, and he said, you know why I pulled you over? I said, yeah, I was speeding. And he was like, he thought I was going to try to say something. Like, well, you know, I was, I said, no, I was like, no, I was speeding. And he was like, well, where are you coming from? I told him where I was coming. He said, well, where are you going? And I told him, I was like, I'm going back to Mobile. Uh, that's where I live. We just moved down here because I knew he knew I had out-of-town plates. And I was like, that's just moved on. And I, and I just told him what was going on. He was like, okay, well, let me run your stuff. He came back. I'm just going to give you a warning today, sir. And then we start talking, and we had a conversation, and then he let me go, and that was it. But he was surprised that I just came out and I just told him the truth, and I didn't immediately start making this, why you pulled me over? All these people out here speeding, you pulled me? I said, I was speeding. And he was like, oh. And he let me go. Now, that might not happen, that hadn't happened all the time. But in that case, it did. <laughs> but the point is, is that just tell the truth. Just say, make up in your mind, I'm just going to tell the truth. And whatever the consequences are, I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to be a man, and I'm going to take responsibility for my life and actions. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to point the finger at anyone else. And I guarantee you, as I'm speaking right now, today or in the next few days, you're going to have the opportunity to tell the truth a lie. Just go ahead and tell the truth. I'm it's going to happen probably when you walk out the door today. <laughs> you're going to have an opportunity to tell the truth a lie. Just make up your mind. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm just going to come out with the truth. I want to close with this verse. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Whatever you're walking through today, I want to encourage you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord our God is with you everywhere that you go. No matter what you walk through, he's with you. So be strong and courageous to know that God is with me. God is with me. Say, God is with me. Be strong and courageous. Whatever you walk, that's weak. Be strong and courageous. Whatever you walk through, God is with you. Take courage and be a man. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for strengthening us today, encouraging us, Lord God, to be strong and courageous. That we could take courage in the fact that you're with us no matter what situation we walk through, no matter where we are in our life, that you are with us. All we have to do is cry out to you and we can immediately be strengthened in your presence. Thank you right now, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in our midst, what you're doing in our hearts, that you're speaking clearly to us today, Lord God, that we can overcome anything that we walk through, that we don't have to shrink back and we don't have to be discouraged. But Lord, that we could overcome, that you called us to be more than overcomers, that you called us to be conquerors, and that all of us in this room today, that we're conquerors in Jesus' name. Thank you that courage, a fresh strength, a fresh courage, a fresh boldness is coming on the inside of us that's rising up, that, that once when we feel like these areas in my life are, are in chaos and in disarray, that I pray that we would take courage in those areas and help us overcome to put those things back in order. Thank you for what you're doing today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give one final invitation. 
you're in here today and you say that, Pastor, if I were to be honest, I don't have a relationship with the Lord at all. But just sitting here in this room, I realize how much I need him. We talked about salvation at the beginning. We could take courage in salvation, but some of you feel like I can't take courage in salvation because I don't have it. I don't know if God is in my heart. I don't want you to walk out of those doors today without knowing without a shadow of a doubt that salvation is yours, that heaven is your home. If there's you watching online, I want to pray with you as well. If you're in the room under the sound of my voice, no one's looking around and you say, I want to make sure that I'm in right relationship with God, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that I will spend eternity in heaven. If that's you with no one looking around, I want to pray with you. And I just want to ask you to do this one simple thing with no one looking around, not trying to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hands and just acknowledge to God that God, I want you to come into my heart. I want to be in right relationship with you. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand and I want to pray with you right now. If you want God to come into your heart, you want a relationship with him, just lift your hand. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask everyone just to do this. Place your hand over your heart and just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for forgiving me. I thank you right now that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Give me the courage and the strength to pursue you all the days of my life. When things get difficult and things get tough, I can take courage in the fact that you're with me everywhere that I go. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Lead me. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Speak to me in every area of my life. I give you reign. I give you full release to have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise for those that made a decision to follow Christ. If you're online and you made that decision, uh, congratulations on the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. You can uh, write in the comments section that you made that decision. We'd love to reach out to you throughout the week. Also, if you're in the room and you made that decision, uh, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back of it, it, uh, it says, let's make it, I made a decision. Fill that out and you can drop it in the bucket on the offering time and we'd love to pray with you. But let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. Amen. And for you watching online, we're about to disconnect with you in just a second, but just a few quick announcements. We'd love to invite you to prayer with us this Wednesday at 630. Uh, we'll be in here for one hour prayer this Wednesday at 630. Also, if you're prepared to give, there's a couple ways that you could do that. You can go to our website at newlifemobile.org. On our homepage, there's a tab that says give. You can give online or you can download our app and you can give on our app as well. It's in the App Store, the Google Play Store. Just search New Life Church of Mobile. You'll see our logo there, and you can give that way. Well, we love you guys. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Happy Father's Day again. To all the fathers out there, y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all Wednesday. Amen. Amen.